0: Hello and welcome to the Power of Parks podcast, sponsored by Omaha Parks and Recreation. I am your host, Parks and Recreation Director, Matt Kalcevich. This podcast will connect the community with some of the best known and most influential people from Omaha and how parks have shaped their lives and still influence them today. We want these conversations to inspire you to get out and feel the power of parks for yourself. And now enjoy episode three with our guest, Brian Windhorst. Brian is originally from Ohio, where he went to high school in Akron and to college at Kent State University. He is an accomplished writer and journalist who currently serves as one of the preeminent National Basketball Association reporters for ESPN. Brian is the author of four books. And after many years at the Akron Beacon Journal and the Cleveland Plain Dealer, he moved to ESPN and now resides here with his family in Omaha. Brian, thanks for joining us here today on the Power Parks podcast. Uh, appreciate it. How are you?
1: Uh, you know, I am always happy to be in Omaha. If you want the truth, good. Uh, I'm yeah, always happy to be in Omaha.
0: That's great. No, glad glad to have you here and and to have you in town. I know you have a uh, a pretty uh, crazy work schedule right now, and and like all of us, the beginning of the year uh, just seems to you know have a different uh, speed and pace to it. Uh, with the turn of the calendar there, but uh, for people who uh, maybe aren't as familiar with your work, give us just a a little bit about, you know, what you do now and your career path and uh, how you ended up in this spot. This is my 19th year covering the NBA. Wow. So that's
1: kind of scary. Um, I, you know, there are guys in the NBA now who were not born when (laughs) I first started. Wow. And so that's That's a, uh, that's a difficult thing. And people will say to me, well, NBA Omaha there hasn't been an, if, if you even know that there was an NBA team in Omaha, That's right. there has yep, been an NBA be team in Omaha since the 70s. I go, <laughs> you are correct. Um, but so 19 years, I've, I've worked at newspapers, I've worked at ESPN. This is my 11th season, I believe, working at ESPN. Wow. And I've lived in three different places with ESPN. I lived in Miami, I lived in New York City. And in 2014, um, I had the opportunity to move to Omaha and... You know, the thing about the NBA is this, if you cover the whole league like I do, yeah. um, the center is always changing. You know, for years, the center of the NBA was in Miami. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were dozens of big games. Then it was in Cleveland. You know, it's been in San Francisco or Oakland. Right. Um, it wasn't in Phoenix, and then now it is in Phoenix, you <laughs> yeah. know. Um, it's shifting around. You know, I used to live in Miami, and now I haven't even been to Miami for four years. Wow. Um and so hopefully maybe this year I'll get to go back. But because that center is always changing, your location became less important. Sure. Um and so even when I lived in New York City, which is you know the where the NBA is based and there are two teams, I still traveled hundred days a year. Wow. And so um in twenty fourteen, my wife is from here in Omaha. I really yeah. like spending time here. Yeah. It's in the center of the country. And um it was an opportunity to say, "I'm going to go somewhere and put down roots where Excellent. I want to be." and so you know ESPN at the time was pioneering some um, some remote technology where you could do TV from anywhere, right because you know it, it's, it used to be very, very expensive to do television remotely. You used to have a whole giant production truck with a big satellite that shot up into the sky <laughs> and you know it was really expensive, and so ESPN yeah. was like, "How can you know because during the course of a day you know they were Sometimes employing eight trucks, True. and they were like $5,000 each per day. So, yeah. you know, do the math on right. that. And that's so they, they were sort of looking at some new technology, and I was the first person to have this installed in my house. They came, oh, Engineers wow, came here to great. Omaha, and I was the guinea pig. And so when we went to – when, when the world went remote – now, not everybody at ESPN had this. Yeah. But, like, when the world went remote in the pandemic, I had already been doing – Television in my house for four years, four or five years. Oh wow! Okay. When I first moved here, I used to drive down to Lincoln. They have a great television facility at um, at UNL. Yeah. And um, uh, they actually have some of the best technology in that you could possibly get at UNL. Oh, didn't know that. But um, but then I got it in my house. And and when we first did, I first would do Sports Center hits in my house. um, I would have like a a backdrop that was just like a cloth backdrop <laughs> yeah. that um, uh, would never change. It'll be the same right. for every show. Yeah. And there was a three or four second delay. So the, the, the anchor on Sports Center would say, is so-and-so going to play in tonight's game? <laughs> yes, I think they're going to play. And that was what happened on live television. Wow. So we, you know, but now we're down to like a half a second. And okay. now I have a, a giant uh, LED screen behind me and special lights and everything like that, and I can see the broadcast as it's on. Okay. And so um, I've, I've, you know, and I obviously I still travel and go to a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, I'm still away, you know, dozens, if not 100 nights a year, but I also can do a lot of television from my home. It's not unusual for me over the course of, um, of a week to, to do five or six different shows in my yeah. house. And uh, I also have a, a, a radio slash podcast studio in my house. Yep. So, um, you know, the pandemic made it even easier because it became the point where we didn't just have one person working remote. We would have a show where four different people were in their houses and yeah. it was all blending together. Yeah. That, was, that was a little bit of trial and error. But sure. But that has been my reality for years now. Okay. So I was very comfortable making that transition. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't great to not be able to go to games. Right. But... Um, uh, you know, I've been I've been there's been an ESPN Bureau operating here in Omaha, unbeknownst to most. people. <laughs> that's right. That's, like a, cool, five or six that's a cool nugget yeah. of information yeah. right
0: there. Yeah. Well, uh, it, so it sounds like you had an easier time than some. You were better prepared for the pivot into really this virtual existence uh, ahead of most, which uh, uh, that's cool that that worked out. What an interesting situation for you. Um, so, uh, we had the chance to meet and connect through your father-in-law, I had a Arizona state connection. Uh, people know that's kind of, that's my alma mater. I'm supporting my maroon here today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been fun getting to connect. I've been a big fan of yours for years. Um, and so I know you and I have had, uh, some, uh, parks, you know, golf related experiences, mm-hmm. but, um. Uh, what are, what are some of the things that have stuck out to you now that you're a resident here and you've had the time here, um, in relation to parks, you have a family, uh, wh- what's a place that you go that you like, or what's some of the things you've seen? Well, I'm a golfer. So Johnny,
1: yeah. Johnny Goodman, it's, um, you know, I've lived in a bunch of different places, um, in the U S and I've golfed in I don't know, maybe 15 different States or something like that. Wow. Um, you could argue that I'm just saying this cause you're sitting here, but, <laughs> but Johnny Goodman is one of the finest municipal courses, um, I've never, That's I've great. Played. Oh, fact, love to hear that. I don't know if they'll do it, but my friends at, at Golf Magazine, you know, are looking. I've said, "Hey, you should come out and see." They go to different cities and play. Yeah. You know, they play the high-end private course, and they play like the nine-hole executive course, and they try to play a municipal course. And I've pitched them on Omaha. I, I said, "Appreciate you know, that. Come play. Okay, come see OCC, which is the top end, you know, yep. in the world. But you yep. should also see this municipal course." So. Cool. Um, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember how we played. I don't think I played great that day. I played, like, <laughs> no, uh, I don't think either of us did. <laughs> but um, but I've had some good rounds there, sure. and it's uh, it's a great course. So if you're asking what my favorite park is, I guess technically that's it. But um, you know, I live basically um, attached to Lake Zerinsky, yeah. which I know is that's a, that's a, is that a state park or a federal park? Well, it's park?
0: A, it's managed by us. It's a, yeah. a Corps, Army Corps of Engineers property right. as a you know retention. You know, waterway, but obviously people think of it as a recreational site yeah. first and foremost, yeah. which we appreciate.
1: Yeah, so Lake Zirinsky, um, you know, maybe not so much in the winter, but in the summer, my family and I, either my family or I are in Lake Zarinsky multiple times a week. It's, yeah. a, it's a very short walk from our house, so I appreciate that. I think that's that. very
0: common of people who yeah. live down in that area, yeah. so.
1: And I did see uh, the first, uh, we know, we're here when all the people are watching this, but are listening to this, but it's the first week of January, and I have seen the first um, tents pop up out on the ice Oh wow um, Yeah, Which is a, always a bittersweet moment Because you know when the tents pop up Out on the ice for the ice fishing um, You know that you're in for The absolute dead of winter Because <laughs> yes. people are like well yeah, this tent will be fine yep. Out on the water And you're like oh boy that means that It's going to be fully, frozen fully for a, a while um, yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what kind of fish They're pulling out of there yeah. uh, but uh, I'm not a fisherman but no, people must either. enjoy it Yeah um, And, you know, uh, I also, I think probably one of my favorite uh, places in Omaha, and I think of it more as, you know, it's a very big piece of land, Mm -hmm. but there's little nooks and crannies you can go into it, is Standing Bear. Yeah. um, Which is, the home we lived in when we first moved to home was close to Standing Bear. And I would uh, go there, you know, several times a week with my dog uh, to walk him and um, encountered... (laughs) had encounters with deer there. It yep. was always interesting. Yeah, uh, My dog's reaction to that. Um, I think Standing Bear. In fact, um, I remember a friend of mine from the New York Times came to do a story on this ultra marathon runner who lived in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And she would train every day by running multiple laps around Standing Bear Lake, which yeah. is like all the way around is like, I don't know, eight miles right. or something. So yeah. it's a big it's a park. Big stretch. But because it, it's so big and covers so many different areas, there's little... There's little those little places you can get in where there's where it's especially not crowded so yeah. um you know both Standing Bear and Lake Zerinsky I've spent a lot of time at since I've been here.
0: Well that's great well you picked two uh, fantastic spots and, yeah. and places that people uh, you know talk about very prominently and and are uh, the evidence is that those are some of the two most popular and, right. and most used in our system. Uh, we have the floating bridge now at Standing Bear one of the uh, I would call it an iconic feature and, and we've won some awards recently on the creativity of that and and it's received great reviews um, but Lake Zarinsky, I mean just a beautiful property wonderful location I feel very fortunate that's something we get to manage and, and our staff is is on site there every day really just trying to make it a great experience for people um, I love that you're hyping up what you are about golf um, I, golf near and dear to my heart I'm a golfer we played together and and it's, it's growing, and it's been uh, some of the most uh, intense, busiest uh, over the last few years. Uh, one of the strange byproducts of COVID, the golf yeah. spike, yeah. and we're seeing new users there. Uh, and yeah, I, I tout that I think we have one of the best municipal golf setups in the entire country. I, I don't know anybody else from a city management standpoint that's running four nine hole courses, four eighteen hole courses. Uh, just met with the staff from Goodman yesterday, uh, excited for what this year is gonna present. And and yeah, we received a lot of great feedback. So it's it's always fun to hear that positive. condition. Uh, and about the thing the about I course. mean
1: I don't want to make it about golf, but typically so no, I grew, can golf parks so golfs, I, I grew up, you know, in in Akron, Ohio, I yeah. grew up learning to play on a municipal course. Yeah. Which Akron is where I grew up is smaller than Omaha mm-hmm. uh, and they had three municipal courses so how many did you say you have? We have eight. Okay, eight. but it's not that much smaller. Sure. It's bigger than Lincoln, smaller than Omaha. Okay. If um, I grew up playing on um, the Muni as they would call yep. it, um, uh, Good Park, it was, after, it was named after a guy named, his last name was Good, not Goodman, Good Park was, <laughs> okay. what it was called. But, um, and it as naturally it got, it was one of the more economical places to play and it got a ton of rounds, yeah. and so even though it was a great course, and there was great people working there, it just got it got beat up, yeah. you know. And it this, but Goodman, I, and I hope I'm not jinxing it, but like Goodman stays in incredible shape, and like I think the last time you and I played it, it was like August or September, yeah. late in the season, right? And it was in just immaculate condition. Yeah. So, in in and of itself, it's a very good layout whoever designed that course back in like the 40s mm-hmm. or i don't know mm-hmm. a long time it's been around yeah it's a very good design but the quality of the of the of the way it's up kept and also the greens especially um not so you know if you took somebody there who wasn't from here and you played that course they would never They would just assume it was a, it was a um, privately owned course wow. they would not assume that that was a a public course so um that's a that's something that they should be proud of. Well, I appreciate
0: you saying that. Our team takes great pride in in making sure all of our courses in Goodman is the one that uh, consistently gets the most rounds, uh, has the most business every year, which makes it even more challenging to actually keep it in that good condition. Uh, but but love the plug thank you yes uh, want people to come out and in, enjoy what we have because I, I think it's an incredible value too that's that's part of it you're talking about the experience and, and what we charge to have people come out and enjoy that I think is a really good fit so you kind of hit on it. it you know growing up uh, golf and, and you, you gave a reference there uh, was was that your, your really kind of primary parks outdoor experience did you did you go to parks a lot when you were young how, how did that kind of play into your development
1: well sports was really big in my family. My mother was a, a softball coach and um she she coached in high school um, and her, the high school was, it was a it was a private high school and they didn't have their own softball field. They didn't have their own field. So huh. she played at a park that was probably I mean, it was her kind of her choice to yeah. play there. She was very successful. She won two Ohio state championships oh, that's as great. a coach. And she <laughs> The the, the the field was about i don't know probably six five or six miles from the high school I mean there were other really? options, but it was the it was the park that she grew up at her whole childhood. It was only three hundred yards from yeah. her childhood home oh my gosh and she liked the home courted the home you know field nature advantage yeah. of it. there was yeah. stuff about the field that she really liked and so you know she was i spent Thousands of hours um, uh, in that, you know, on the softball yeah. diamond. Uh, we're helping her. My sister was an, a standout softball player who played in college. So, wow. spent a lot of time there. And then, um, a half of a block from where I grew up was a massive uh, open field park that had been left um, as a gift to the city by, a, by somebody who passed away. Yeah. And they, they said that it was huge. You probably could have put 10 football fields on it but oh, they man. but they said there's nothing could be built on it it had to just be open space sure so we we played sports on it you yeah. know we played soccer we played football we played golf um because it would you know you could you could have wide open you could have yeah. 300 yards of your own a- area i walked wow. through it every day yeah. to and from school first eighth grade every day yeah. uh, through snow through ice all that stuff <laughs> um you know had a few dozen trees but basically it was wide open space yeah. and um you know in in drought years, it was ball brown, and in wet years it was you know th- we had we were hitting a ball out of rough as we were <laughs> practicing yeah, out there, hard to keep up with the moment. yeah um, <laughs> and uh you know so that was you know it only had one little section that even had a little sidewalk in it was basically just open space, yeah, um and uh you know it's still to this day when I go back home, um my family doesn't live right there anymore, but yeah. You know, I, when I drive past it, I, you know, I spent hundreds of hours in there, in that park. So um, it's not something that, you know, it's just something that was part of my childhood. I, yeah. I didn't appreciate it because uh, it was just always there. Sure. So. Um, but that's cool. But I mean,
0: and that's, yeah. and, and it's it's interesting to hear you say that. I mean, that's what we're hoping to do here as well with access to those. And, and we have, you know, 256 parks and facilities around the city so that we, hopefully, are, are allowing people to have that same kind of experience you're describing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and if people are just, to your point, I mean, they may not be appreciating as much in the moment, but it could be really making an impact on them and, and shaping their, you know, enjoyment and experience and, and maybe some of the things they do in, in, in the future with their life as well. So well, that's great. Well, you know, one of the things I was going to bring up, just because of your basketball connection, I mean, we, you know, I, I call this the power of parks. One of the place places nationally that I think people know about, at least in the sports world, um, that's a, a basketball mecca of sorts is Rucker Park mm-hmm. in New York City. Is yeah. that a place you have been to by any chance? Yeah, is that a, I've a place been there. you
1: know? I've been there. You know, it's one of these places where you, you go see it, you're like... That's it, you know. I mean, like it's a nicer <laughs> yeah. it's a nicer setup uh, than you would see at a normal court. On okay. A, uh, you know. But I was going to ask
0: if it lived up to the hype or was uh... you know I just
1: think it's more like you know it's in New York City. Sure. So yeah. uh, you there's know, a lot of places there with that too. Yeah, there's a lot of places like that. Um, but um, you know, there's a you know a lot of NBA players grew up playing at their local parks. Yeah. You know, most of these guys didn't come from people with you know Equinox or Lifetime Fitness memberships yeah. they came up playing at the park sure they came up playing under the lights yep at night in the summer you win you stay on the court you know you, you, you yeah. know, we got next sort of life and sure. then, you know LeBron James um, grew up and he has even donated a lot of money to the city of Akron's parks right because he grew he learned how to play um, there's a uh, a park in Akron called Summit Lake. It's it's not unlike um, uh, Lake Zavinski. More a little more in the inner city, but a park next to a lake. Yeah. And uh, he played outside in the summer, and they had a little pavilion that they could do inside programs in the in the winter. And he played inside in the winter. That's where he grew up playing. He learned how to play um, at this park. And he some subsequently donated money to um, to uh, Retrofit the interior to make it much nicer. Yeah, and I remember when he was—he appeared on the cover of Vogue magazine in like 2005 or 2006. Yeah, and he was on the cover of Vogue magazine with Giselle Bundchen, the supermodel married to Tom Brady. And they did the the photo shoot in Akron, and they said, "Where could we go?" That would represent kind of where you're from and he said i want to go to summit lake park so you think about this kid who you know learned how to play basketball at nine or ten i don't think he really played organized basketball until he was maybe 10 or 11. sure but he, you know he's running around this park in akron and 10 years later give or take he's back with giselle bunchen with annie leibovitz one of the most famous yeah. photographers in history right taking photos for the cover of (laughs) (laughs) Vogue. Oh, my God. Wow, that's awesome. Which, you know, that's a bit of an extreme situation, but um, just indicates somebody like LeBron, his um, connection to the parks of his hometown.
0: Yeah. Gosh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, and you mentioned LeBron, and so that's part of where you really kind of had an initial connection with the NBA and kind of the evolution of maybe your connection to the whole sports industry in general. You guys were there in the same area, and you had a very specific Coverage of him is that right? Is, had yeah, he went ball. to the
1: same high school I did. Yeah, he's, he's younger than me. Um, I always tell people when I was a senior in high school, the basketball team was three and seventeen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were not good. They were when not I was that there. team but, that they became. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but six years or so—no, it was maybe about three years later. Yeah, he—he uh, he became. He was a freshman, and so because he was at the high school, I, and I was already working in local media while I was in college. Right, and. Um, so I got to I got to meet him when he was 14 years old. Okay. And so um, just just blind luck, and um, I just happened to be able to cover the Cleveland Cavaliers when um, when I was 25 and he was 18. Oh wow. Um, to uh, so he was a rookie the same year I was sort of a rookie uh, covering the NBA. So um, yeah, I was just very fortunate. And then I I covered him for years, and then moved down to Miami to ESPN when he. I uh, went to the Miami Heat uh, 11 years ago, 12 years ago now, I guess. Yeah. So um, definitely, I mean, I, I've branched out from just covering him, but I definitely he was a big part of my first decade covering the league and, um, you know, covered all four of his championship teams. Yeah. Uh, covered all ten of his finals. Actually, wow. nine of his finals because the tenth finals was in the bubble in Orlando and yes. I wasn't there. But I, yes. I was watching it on TV like everybody else. But, so I guess <laughs> right. nine of his ten finals I was <laughs> – I was there. So, um, yeah, definitely a connection there. And, you know, um, Akron, Ohio is, you know, it's definitely a Rust Belt place. Um, You know, it's a place that you're a lot of, it's a good place to be from, as I unfortunately say, because, you know, a lot of people move out for other opportunities like LeBron, like I did. But um, uh, certainly the park system was, for, for my youth, was all about sports, yeah, um, and for his youth as well, yeah, and um, you know, and to this day, I'm sure you know tens of thousands of kids all across Akron and, and here as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic, um, and <laughs> you and I have talked. I mean, I'm a huge sports fan, so even just hearing you talk about some of that connection and hearing some of that history, and my appreciation. For that just as a, a sports nut uh, is just very cool so thanks for you know just connecting all that um, so jump back into maybe a little bit more of your experience here uh, you have a family and, and you're out there experiencing things that you are and you talked about and maybe this will lead very naturally into what you already indicated about your use of of the parks but what are some of the amenities that you have seen that you value or appreciate or you see really making an impact on people we talk specific places uh, but is it the trails are those the things that we really seeing? make well, an yeah, impact I mean, or some of these other features i know you have a, a young child right well uh,
1: it's, it's evolved yeah, you know so yeah. you know for a while when i was younger it was open fields it yeah. were you know diamonds or quartz. yeah then when i you know was really looking for my dog to get exercise it was uh the trails, yep. And now it's the playgrounds. There you go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now it's the playgrounds. Um, I, I I particularly like playgrounds that don't have sand.
0: There you go. So, okay. Because
1: I don't. Because that sand ends up in my car and ends up in my house. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and we do know, have a mix of uh, surfaces yeah. out there. Yeah. You're right. Um, so yeah. Um, one of probably one of his first ten words was playground. Oh, cool. Because he would we would drive past and he would see them yes. in the back seat and uh, and point it out. So yes, it is. It evolves uh, over, over the years for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's one of those things that, uh, parents talk about now is, uh, oh, you know, so-and-so has a great playground. You know, I say, my first question, does it have sand?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you a lot of your personal that, checklist. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Done. In fact, there's a,
1: there's a, um, there's actually, it does have sand. This one does have sand, but there's a great playground at Lake Zarinsky that has, um, that has lots of different things for different age yeah. groups. Um, uh, that's right by the water, actually. Right. It's so nice. So um, we've definitely been there many times. Uh, so, um, but uh, yeah... Right now, in my phase, uh, playgrounds is, sure. a, is a big sure. Sure.
0: Well, and that's a big focus for us too. You know, that with as many parks as, as I mentioned, you know, there's some things that need to be taken care of, and we're really trying to focus on that. So again, people who have the convenience of a park right near them, we're trying to have that be as accessible and as easy for people as possible. They've got the best opportunity to engage and enjoy, especially for youth. Um, that that's definitely a major focus of ours. What do you think is really kind of the the greatest power of parks to influence people? Is it really that ability for people to come together? Is it that ability for people to make memories? What really, and you've mentioned a lot with your own experience, what would you say is really kind of that key piece to you that that is the power we talk about?
1: Well, you know, I lived in New York City for a few years and we lived a half of a block from Central Park. Oh, okay. Now, you're talking about one of the most famous parks uh, in the world, so, yeah. you know, when you Unique, talk special. about that, but, um, you know, the thing about Central Park is it's very much like New York City in that there are times where it's absolutely amazing yeah. in its experience, you know, walking through it, you know, largely by yourself while the snow is falling at night, it's right out of a movie, yeah. and then walking through it when, then, you know, there's uh, 5,000 uh, foreign tourists trying to get to the Strawberry Fields John Lennon Memorial where you're like, let me just get out of here, <laughs> you know, sure. walking through it in the fall. <laughs> You know, where the leaves are turning and everything, and then uh, walking through it, you know, or or you can't get into it after the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because they would put up bleachers and they would stay up for weeks. And everything about New York that was great and painful was personified in Central Park. But, you know, I made it a point, especially once I knew I was moving, I was going to leave New York City. I went in there almost every day. I took my dog there for a walk every day. And it's just the idea that you could just leave your house and be in Central Park in 45 seconds or three minutes, depending on whether you got the light to cross or not, Um, (laughs) you know, was a, uh, was a great thing. And Central Park is a, um, it's a, you know, it's, it's a comparison for all parks because it's, it means, you know, when you're in Central Park, you can look around, you don't even have to like, you know, it's obviously huge, but you don't even have to walk that far. You can just, Sit in one spot, and you can look around, and you can see how it means different things to different people. And yeah. I think you see the same thing at any heavily used park. You know, one of my favorite places in the um, in the world is London. Yeah. And um, you know, I've been to Hyde Park, which is the most famous park in London, and yeah. that's you know, obviously it's like their Central Park. But there's right. dozens and dozens of parks within London, and if you go to any of them, it's just like Central Park. You look and can see different people using it differently. Over here, you see people having a picnic. Over here, you see people uh, exercising. Over here, you see people uh, playing with kids. Over here, you see people flying kites. Over here, you see people walking their dogs. And, um, you know, in the case of where I grew up, Snyder Park was that park that was very close to where I lived.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll never forget it. And you would see the same thing. You see people over here playing soccer, people over here jogging, people over here Practicing chip shots, people over here playing fetch with their dog because that right. place was so big you could take your dog off the leash. Probably weren't supposed to, <laughs> um, and you know all that kind of stuff. And so you know that's really it functioning at its highest level, where it sort of means different things to different people at different
0: stages. That's cool. That I, and you, I think you hit it right on the head. We're really trying to always maximize that broad appeal, have it be a place where there's something for everybody. Um, And what you described there, and and, I love what you said about Central Park really kind of being a a microcosm of, you know, what's represented in the city if we can accomplish that same thing. You can buy a hot dog in
1: Central Park. I don't know how many... Parks are in. Mean, yeah, can yeah.
0: Dog, Some of that it, it depends on if we're playing uh, youth sports games there yeah. or not. So yeah. you could uh, smell the grill maybe sometimes <laughs> during peak use. <laughs> right. But uh, very good. Well, uh, and, and this may be more for me, but I, I think my our, our listener you know, group will appreciate this too. Uh, kind of round things out with with your uh, your work your job, which again is something I'm really captivated by. What's kind of the most unique? most interesting part that people would find about what you do? You talked about traveling as much. You, yeah. you're, you're engaged so heavily with one of the top, if not the biggest, you know, one of the biggest uh, professional sports leagues in the world. What's a, a piece of information that might be interesting about what you do?
1: Well, I think I would say uh, about um, uh, if you can take away the money, which is, a, which is not an easy thing to do. Sure, sure. Uh, because when when you are with with an NBA team, the wealth is just all surrounding yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so if you can if you can take away the money, a pro basketball team is exactly the same as your daughter's eighth grade.
0: Basketball oh my gosh, team. that is interesting.
1: Some people like the coach. Yeah. Some people hate the coach. Yeah. There's parents involved uh, <laughs> wow. complaining. Now sometimes maybe um, it takes the it takes the uh, the form of an agent as opposed sure. to a parent. Sure. But you know, he won't pass my son the ball. You yeah. know, he won't pass my client the ball. <laughs> he won't amazing. play my son. Um, yeah. I don't like the coach. Sure. I don't like that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean they call a little bit more complex plays. Um, but essentially, it's the same. Wow! It's the same pressures, the same successes, yeah. the same uh, frustrations, the same stuff. It's just on a on a on a bigger scale. Wow. And when you are close to a team, you see that things and it becomes um, becomes simpler in a way. Sure. You know, it becomes simpler to understand. Um, you know, uh, you know. There's a, there's a, you know there's this guy who I covered for years who is from eastern europe and he played and um he his father would come over for the month of december because for for the holidays yeah and uh, his father you know very cold hard eastern european could have probably been in the kgb at one time (laughs) he just had this (laughs) this look on his face and when he was over there his son would would stay longer at practice like he used to be he would normally be the first guy out yep and even after games, he would, um, he would be the first guy out. Uh, then when his that month his father was there, he was one of the last guys to leave practice because his dad was back sure. at his house, and his dad would know. Yeah. This is something that <laughs> is very basic that yeah. if, you're, if, if your dad maybe comes to practice and watch, you may operate differently than yeah. when your dad's not there. It's, yeah this is, a mul- this is a multi-millionaire NBA player. Yeah. And I just you know I, I tell that story because, like, you know... Uh, you know I remember I had one of a I had one I had one coach who basically changed the traffic flow uh, of the family, you know there's a there's a lounge that teams have where their families can come, yeah, their wives and girlfriends and mothers and yeah. kids. And he changed the traffic flow when how they would leave the arena. They instead of going the short way to the parking lot, they would be able to go the long way because he was tired of family members coming by his office and sticking their head in oh, and going, hey, wow. how, come you, how come you called your shot, you called the last <laughs> shot or whatever? Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, you know, now when they go to the parking lot, they're getting in Maseratis
0: sure. yeah.
1: as opposed to minivans. Like you
0: said, there's the hard part about separating uh, yeah, or, yeah. or stripping it down. I remember
1: this one time this guy was talking about he, he, he had been playing terribly and he got booed at home and he was saying after the game, like, so upsetting to me to have my home fan. You know, he was at his locker and yeah. he's putting on probably a two hundred thousand dollar diamond necklace, I and mean, there was diamonds all the way down to his belly button they were that big. Wow! He's putting in, you know, fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> it was so upsetting. <laughs> oh my God! I, I, you know, I was like, well, it couldn't have been that upsetting, yeah. buddy. But like, yeah. in, in truth, it was. Sure. He was really upset. Yes, he was Absolutely. putting on, yeah. you know, two hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry. And going to his mansion in his uh Lamborghini, yeah. but you know he felt bad still human emotion yeah, you know yeah. so that's the thing like I mean I'm not saying the you know that you should feel bad for them, but yeah. their emotions, the stuff that they right. feel are is just the same as uh as you, know, you, you do when you're, when you're young, when you're yeah. a kid playing in parks. Well, so. this is
0: why you're a, a pro's pro. You even gave me your fun example about what you do, and you tied it back into local <laughs> parks and recs. So I appreciate that. Yeah. That's pretty great. Well, this has been outstanding, Brian. I really uh, thank for you for your me. time. Wish you the best uh, with all your work and travel and, and uh, a great 2022. Look forward to getting back out on the course together. Yeah,
1: it feels like it's a long time from now, but yeah. uh, it won't be that bad. We I'm, hope. Uh, yeah.
0: Take Thanks care. Thanks me. so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us as we explore the power of parks in Omaha. Look for our next quarterly podcast this spring, and we hope everyone has a safe, fun, and memorable experience in 2022 in one of our City of Omaha parks.